Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm here with Tracy Reynolds, and I just love these conversations. Uh, Tracy, when we are able to spend time together and uh, talk to one another and have dialogue and, and then also have conversations with dear friends. Absolutely, and today is not an exception. Uh, Kevin Bordeaux is the lead pastor at Thrive Church in Richmond, and they have a satellite campus. Uh, but we've been friends. We, I guess we met Kevin at uh, Emmanuel College. But man, before we dive into all that, welcome to the show, buddy. I mean, I'm glad to be here. It is an honor. So what's the weather like in Richmond these days? Uh, it's June. So it's actually, uh, you get some hot days. And we have some, we're in the 70s some days. So uh, get ju- out of here. Ju- yeah, ju- June has been, is good to us. Uh, July and August are not good to us. <laughs> well, this, will be, this will be uh, listened to in August, so you can give a prediction of what, uh, what it will be like as people are hearing your story. It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> the weather's brutal right now. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Well, welcome to the podcast, man. It is um, always great to catch up. Uh, I, this is one time where I've been to the church. I love what you're doing there. Your staff is phenomenal. Uh, you're doing a great work. But man, before we dive into all that stuff, it would just be awesome if you tell us a bit about, man, how we got to be sitting across a, a country from each other, talking on some microphones to, as, as friends, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to Emmanuel College in 2004, but, you know, I got saved in 1999. Um, I was kind of what they call radical conversion. So I ended up um, just giving my life to Jesus one night after the Lord began to pursue me. And uh, and everybody in the town was shocked that Kevin Bordeaux, you know, just the, the, the druggy guy who I got banned from ECU the year before and banned. So I, you know, <laughs> cussed out a teacher, threatened, threatened her. And then Drug, drug stuff, and I uh, ended up giving my life to Jesus at a, at a PH church. I didn't know much about PH, nothing about denominations, and man, the Lord just put me on a journey, man. 1999, I ended up playing in a Christian punk rock band. I wrote all the songs and um, you know, recorded albums and did that, and God called me to church ministry, and uh, that's how I kind of ended up at Emmanuel, and so in 2004, I, I landed on the doorstep there, and um, you know, Pastor Tracy's one of the first guys that I met. Uh, when I got to Emmanuel College, and uh, I thank you for embracing me and putting up with me uh, while I was there. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, buddy, it was uh, it was easy to do, uh, and I could, from the get go, uh, I knew that there was something very special about Kevin Bordeaux. That yes, I affirm the call of God in your life, but I could see Jesus working in you in very real and practical ways. But but unusual giftings, things that uh, you know, the Scripture talks about to whom much has been given, much is required. And I feel like the Lord is as and in, in, encased in Kevin Bordeaux is a lot of variety of skills. You've done a lot of different things, but you've surrendered all of that to Jesus, and I know that's the most important part of your existence. So how did you go from Emmanuel into to church ministry, brother? Yeah, so um, when I was at Emmanuel College, I just felt a call to church plant, and I had a mentor in my life who uh, began to call that out, a guy named Brett, and he kept saying, man, you're, you're apostolic. I didn't know what that meant, but it was just church planting. That's kind of what the whole, you know, if you break it down, it just, just 
you want to plant churches. So anyway, we had planned uh, at Emmanuel to plant a church down in South Florida. And so we went from Emmanuel. Um, and then after that, I went home for a year in 2008 to my home church in Clinton, North Carolina. I served there, and then my wife got into school down in South Florida, and we planted a church with nothing. When I say nothing, I'm not you know exaggerating it. Uh, down in South Florida with just a few people, and uh, we started a church there. So that's kind of, that was kind of my first, I guess, attempt at uh, at ministry post Emmanuel uh, was planting a church down in South Florida. Well, I remember the the team. Uh, most of which, or maybe all of which, came initially from the college, and uh, it, it was uh, you guys had developed long-term relationships and made radical commitments, and God used you guys uh, down there. Now, how many years did you guys uh, work in Florida, Kevin? Well, um, I was there about three and a half years, and uh, I can tell the transition story in a little bit. But um, it was three and a half years. My wife was in school, and then. In 2011, the Lord just began to put on my heart that I was called out, and I couldn't believe it. So I called, you know, called you and talked to you about it. I mean, you're one of the, the key voices in my life about that. I still remember where I was at when I talked to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some other guys, uh, a few, few guys that were able to help clarify some things for me as well. Um, but I, I personally was there three and a half years in South Florida. Right. And I know you raised up and mentored uh, the guys who took your place. Uh, yep. But it was not as long as you thought it was going to be, was it? I thought I was going to have a burial plot there and live there my whole life. And, uh, and you know, Richmond, Virginia was nowhere on my radar. And um, I'm not sure if you want me to get into kind of how I came into this opportunity here. Uh, but, you know, it was one of those things where, again, I was called out, didn't know where I was called to, what I was going to do. Um, and so it, my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer in 2000, early 2012. So I took a little sabbatical, just went home to North Carolina uh, in January. I drove her back and forth to chemo, did a lot of praying. I spent time with her. I mean, my, my mom was you know, my, my best friend, and uh, she was only 62 years old. So long story short, um, I, I didn't have anywhere to go, nothing to do. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I had a replacement already set up, and I began to apply everywhere. Uh, you know, and nobody wanted me. Like, nobody wanted me to, <laughs> to come and pastor or be in ministry. I thought, God, what are you doing Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I get a call from a, a friend, Dayton Burt, who uh, was the Bishop of Redemption Ministries. He said, I heard you're transitioning. And this is a call at night, 9 o'clock at night, I get this call. And it was an 804 number. Um, and I thought, as I'm in South Florida, I thought, man, that's that church I applied to in Virginia. And I applied to this some church in Virginia I thought was going to be a great church. It was Dayton. He said, we've got a church of 25 people. It's getting ready to close the doors. It meets in a renovated tennis club. They're renting out to a Spanish church. Um, would you like to come? And I got the phone. I told my wife, I said, no, I've just killed myself for three and a half years starting a church. I don't, I don't want to go and have a church of 25 old people. Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I left the conversation being very gracious to him, but no intent to go. But the Lord over the next several days really began to speak to my heart and saying, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to look into this. So I Googled earthed it. And man, this facility that that they had is you know with fifteen thousand or eighteen thousand square feet, mm-hmm. houses on campus used to be an old tennis club, and I just felt the Lord really saying you need to look into this. And so, man, we we flew down and met with twenty senior citizens and four young adults, um, and we talked to them about starting a brand new church. And man, I thought they would reject me because I started casting vision about what it would look like, what we would do. And the oldest member there, who was um, about 78 at that time, I want to say, he stood up and he said, son, I don't know why God would send you, but if you want to come, I'm going to start a a pastoral transition fund just for you. 
Um, we want you here. We've seen our families leave. I've been at this church since 1954. He said, I want this thing to make it, um, and we need you. And we went, we went back to, to South Florida just really not knowing what God wanted. But we ended up uh, making the decision to move in June of 2012 here to Richmond, Virginia, to restart uh, what we call Thrive Church uh, today. Well, that's such a powerful story, Kevin, and it needs to be heard today because uh, many people who are listening to this podcast and who are out there, people that you know, people that, that Tracy and I know, they're struggling in the, in the what now and then kind of glancing out the window to the what next. So just kind of keep going and what you were talking about. I think this is what we need to hear right now. And, you know, what, what inspired you guys to be willing to say yes, to do something? How did you discern that this was the Lord, this was the Lord guiding you there? And, and how are you willing to take that step? That's good, uh, Pastor Chris. Well, I think, number one, mentors are very key in all this. A lot of times pastors isolate themselves. They try to make decisions in a vacuum. You know, Pastor Tracy, or Dr. Reynolds now, I can say, um, was oh, a key voice. Yeah, the, the doctor pastor. Uh, he was a key voice in my life. I called him. Um, you know, Farrell Hardison, who is a, is a longtime IPHC pastor, he's still He's still around, um, you know, great voice in my life. And I just had a few people that spoke to me. So number one, I had mentors. Number two, I really took time to listen to the Lord and journal uh, the things that, you know, we were taught at Emmanuel to really seek the Lord. And and, um, and so with that, uh, one of the people who still is actually our kids director today, she was the executive assistant at Redemption Ministries, uh, at the Virginia Conference there. Uh, before we even came, she said, if you're if you come, my husband and I will help you. We don't have a church right now, and I felt like the Lord was saying it's almost like how Jesus told the disciples, "Hey, look, you know, I've got something prepared for you. When you go, there'll be a donkey there, a colt, um, all that <laughs> stuff." And the Lord began to speak and say, "I'm already lining things up." So I heard, I heard from mentors, I heard from the Lord, and then um, we just we just we only we're only about fifty five percent sure it was God. Uh, we didn't have a, a burning bush moment. We didn't have a, a shining light, but um, we just knew the Lord was calling us on assignment to come and help revitalize this church here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, it was one of those things that we came, and it was a big risk. Uh, they only had about three or four months to make it. They sold one of the old buses they had to put $6,000 in the bank. Um, but these people, I'll say this, this is key. I don't care how good of a leader you are. It's the people around you that make or break you. You can be the greatest leader on earth, but they're not noble. And noble has nothing to do with age. Um, you can have young people who are not noble. You can have older folks who are not noble. You know, noble. These senior citizens were smart. They were noble. I wrote out a business plan for them of what we would do over the next six months, how we would relaunch this church, what finances would look like. And, man, they were all, all of them were retired and successful. When they saw that, they said, I can follow this, and I, and I, I, I can get on board with this. And so we worked toward a launch date, and we just treated it like a church plant. Um, but one of the things I did, too, let me say this, um, I wanted to make sure that I told them I was continuing their story. I wasn't burying their story. Mm-hmm. So we changed the name of the church um, you know, to, to Thrive Church. They were involved in that process. We had about eight names to choose from. Um, we prayed together on Wednesday nights. We had about eight people who would show up in a circle. We'd sit down, and we would pray for God to intervene and God to have mercy on our community and to do his work. And so I built good friendships and relationships um, with those people. Not one of them left. Um, every one of them were here unless they've passed away. That that one church member I told you about, I, I preached him and his wife's funeral. Um, and he was gracious all the way up to the end. 
And even though he didn't understand everything, he would come meet with me and ask questions and um, and all that. But all the things that I think the law, you know, the law of E.F. Hutton, finding the Claude in the room, and uh, that Claude is still with me today. He's ninety years old. His name's Randy, not Randy, but Randy. He's the first one who called me from the church. He serves with finance still, and he's on our directional team. Um, I, I just I didn't want to bury their story. I wanted to listen to it. I wanted to continue it. I wanted to honor them as we move forward as a church. And we did the same thing with, with launching another, another campus um, in 2014, two years after we launched our Chesterfield campus. Well, that's incredible. You know, uh, I love the name Thrive, that you didn't go there to survive. You went to Thrive. Yeah. Uh, give us a bit of insight around that, that choice. Yeah, um, so we had several names. Some were locale focused, um, and then Thrive. I just liked the idea of it. I did too. That you know, I want to thrive, I want to flourish, um, but also too a practical point. And this sounds really, really, really weird, but I wanted to make sure that we had the right URL and nobody else had that name in our area uh, because Google is king. And if you have, if you choose a church name based on, um, you know, just because you like it. You can get in trouble because number one was there was there any other organization that had a moral failure or had a bad name in the community with Thrive? The answer was no. And there was a, was there any other churches in the area? The answer was no. Um, sad thing is this sidebar. So in 2012, we were so poor we, were, we almost called ourselves ADD Church, ADD Church because we were so broke we couldn't pay attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, seriously, we were so poor we couldn't afford ThriveChurch.com URL. It was out there for twenty five hundred bucks, and we couldn't get it. So we got ThriveChurch.me. I still regret that to this day. Uh, but yeah, so but it was a consensus with the group there, and we based it on kind of yeah, what do we want our identity to be? But then also in the online world, when guests look for us and unchurched people look for us, can they find us? And is there any confusion with bad names in the community? That's fantastic, and it's so practical. You went said something earlier that I just want to go back for a minute. And it was you said you had about 55% assurance that this was the right thing. I think that's key because when we're making choices as Christ followers, we don't have to check our brains at the door. There's a lot that plays into that. Would you go back and uh, as leaders, it's almost never, maybe it is never that we have 100% assurance. It's just, even when you got married, you weren't 100% assured this was going to be the most awesome. And I tell people in premarital counseling, you know, you got to figure this out. But what there isn't like a magic percentage, but 55% plus the peace of God and some other things. So go there again. Yeah, um, well, number one, this is being recorded, so I was 100% sure that my wife was the person. I was 101% sure. So she hears this, there was no doubt. So don't get me in trouble. Um, I'm, I'm joking. But um, so, yeah, um, I think with that, you may have been the one to say this, Pastor Tracy. I'm not sure. Um, you can take credit if you didn't. But it's, uh, but it's you know, trust more in God's leadership than your followership. And, I, you know, I just really banked it on the fact that he could wake me up with cold sweats in the middle of the night if this wasn't him. Um, yeah. And that I can trust his leadership in my life. And I think that was one of the keys to it was that um, you have, and again, I, at Emmanuel, I was taught you have green light, yellow light, red light with the will of God. And I just kind of felt like, okay, it was a, it was a yellow light. Let's proceed with caution. Let's pray through. Um, and then eventually, you know, it, it turned to a green light when we made that decision. But it wasn't, it was really just, I think, People say, I want God to speak to me and tell me. I, to be honest, and that this may sound harsh, but I think it's a little bit of be, being lazy. Um, mm-hmm. Wisdom is a process. Um, it takes asking a lot of questions. It takes evaluating. It takes looking at pros and cons. It takes praying. It takes listening to people. 
And I think God wants us to go through the process of wisdom instead of him just saying, do this and do that. Um, there's no value sometimes. And there are times God does do that. But you read more about wisdom in the Bible than you do just God arbitrarily just telling people what to do. There's a process that goes on, especially in Proverbs. And so anytime somebody has a decision to make, I want them to have a, hey, let's let's talk about the, the, the list. Let's go through the process. And the question to ask is this. This is what I ask myself. And I ask, if you, what's going to be the bigger regret if you do it or don't do it? Mm-hmm. If you had to live with a, with a regret. So that's kind of my, my train of thinking. God's a better leader than I am follower. And then also the, the process of going through of wisdom. And then at the end of the day, what will I regret more if I do or don't do it? And faith is a part of this. Yes. Yeah. And, and I know that word faith is misused. Uh, and it's taken out of biblical context, and and we misunderstand it. But listening to your story, it was still you being willing to take a step of faith, take mm-hmm. just by faith. God, I'm trusting you to direct me. I'm trusting you to guide me. I'm trusting you to provide for me. And that's that's so important to each of us wherever we are in our stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and it, it, let me say this real quick. And it's taught me this, guys. This is what what it has really springboarded for in my life. You know, ten years later. Um, I'm very entrepreneurial, uh, but what I realized was I was very opportunistic, not obedient many times. Mm-hmm. And entrepreneurs can be very opportunistic, but not obedient. And so now what I've learned now is that there's a lot of secret prayers I have that, God, only you can open these doors. And uh, if you open them, you choose to, and I'll follow you. But I've, I've learned to rest even more in God's leadership over the last 10 years um, than trusting my, my ability to follow or even my ability to lead. Mm, that's so good. I wanted to affirm one more thing that you said, and and then we'll close out this particular podcast. You know, you honored your mother and the priorities that you had to go be with your mother, your friend, and support her. And I just want to tell you publicly, well done, my friend. Well done. You never, you no regrets there at all because you, you did the right thing. And talk about honor, talk about respect, talk about nobility. It doesn't get any better than that, my friend. Well, and, and let me say this. Here's God's sovereignty with this. Pastor, I, Pastor, I, I was 12, 13 hours away from her um, in South Florida. Um, I had no idea where I was going. God landed me in Richmond only two and a half hours from home. So I would drive. Uh, I would get done with Sunday service and drive straight to North Carolina to make, make sure she got the chemotherapy and back, get back by Wednesday, stay through Sunday and do it over again. Every week I drove home back and forth. When she went into hospice, some of the best memories of my life with my mom. Um, so um, I'd yeah, the, the Lord was very gracious and, and very, very good in moving us to Richmond. And that, for that respect, just for being my mom. My, my dad died two years later, and so that I was able to be with him too. Well, I'm so sorry for your losses, but I'm so proud of your faithfulness to be uh, a good son. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, we and and we're we're so proud of you, Kevin. I mean, Tracy and I are sitting here. We've been looking forward to this conversation. We're, we're very proud of you. Uh, thank you for taking those risks. Uh, for seeking the will of the Father, um, and to, to stay humble. Um, you know, you're very intelligent. You're doing a lot of things, and a lot of things well from our perspective. We're, we're just proud of you. Man, I wish we could just reach through the screen and, and give you a hug right now. But you're making a positive difference, in, uh, and that just means so much to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, will, we will continue this conversation uh, and interview you one more time for the podcast. But, you're, uh, again, you're one of those faces, one of the voices that we believe in. Um, thank you for your obedience. And I believe that uh, God is giving you wisdom uh, and your willingness to pass that on to other people. It can help many, many of us 
uh, find better ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Oh